0: Ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims. All right, okay. He's talking because you're super excited to be on the podcast, Sims and Lefko, episode 55. You got a fifty-five for me.
1: Ah uh, man, fifty-five. I'm oh,
0: clicking. I'm kind of
1: bunch Otis right Wilson's now. the first guy. Ahmad Brooks for the San Francisco Forty-Nine. Okay. Otis Wilson was a really good linebacker yeah. for the Bears back in the day. I know who he was. Um, Fifty, and then Ahmad Brooks. I think I'm missing another. great I'm thinking, 55. I'm
0: thinking some guys right now. Rolando McClain just came to my head. Oh, right. Brandon Graham is a fifty-five. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but I'm gonna go. Dekembe Mutombo <laughs> was fifty-five. Oh, Uh-oh.
2: Chris, you are missing some great fifty-fives. You forgot about one of the great all-time linebackers in the history of Rutgers football. Devron Thompson, number 55, key part of the 2016 best team in Rutgers football history. I've been waiting for this episode for a long time. Right. So. This
1: is now your onslaught Devron of Rutgers Thompson, players. Devron Thompson, yeah, onslaught of Rutgers all players. All the Greg
2: Siena recruits will Man, come to the
1: top. Man, pretty much. Really worried future <laughs> What? Don't
0: worry about it. Gabe, stinky fingers. Let's see him. Hello, They're Andrew. Back. Oh, wait. Yeah, get over here. Come on, Ari. Come on. da Andrew. Oh. Uh, we, didn't we didn't cut to your take camera, it. Andrew. Take it. It's all right. We'll get the to The hell with your fingers. Control room. Let's say hi to everybody. All right. We got Michelle Pelly Oh, my God. It's a stack. We got house. a lot Ball. more people Cam. in there. Jay. Oh, baby. Ryan in the back. And also,
1: Cam can speak now. Cam, let's hear those words. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Was he talking? Yes, he was. I can't tell where Cam is. He's blending into the whiteboard on the left. <laughs> Who's whiter, the board or Cam? Main reason we're giving out, of course,
0: please, <laughs> let's go to Ingest. Let's see KP. Uh, her favorite thing in oh, the world. The happiest smiling person available to report. Uh, main reason we're giving Cam the availability to talk is if one of us messes up, right? He can correct.
1: Like us. Like I said, the NFL is eighty percent African American. Like it was sixty-eight,
0: eight, percent. Right. Right, right, Um uh, Hey, Josh, what are we talking about today, brother?
2: Uh, we got an exciting show coming up, guys. First and foremost, at two o'clock, about twenty minutes from now, the newest member of the New York Giants, Olivier Vernon, will join us money. via Skype. We'll talk about his money for sure. Uh, we're going to take you inside the NFL scouting departments. Kind of talk about what NFL teams are doing at this time of year as we get in between free agency and the draft. And then the last thing we'll talk about today, amongst some other things, Brock Osweiler versus Mark Sanchez. Which quarterback would the Broncos have rather had? Obviously, Brock is on the Texans yeah, now, right? and they have Mark Sanchez. This is Sanchez. actually a good
0: question that Josh asked you yesterday that we felt the need to have it on. Josh doesn't ask a lot of good questions. Yes,
1: right. He's no, not very smart. Most of my questions are yeah. dumb. Doesn't add a lot to the podcast, But Josh, my dumb so. questions lead to yeah, good questions. Right. Very true. Is, How are uh, you doing in your uh, ego is the enemy, but I'm going to get to that in a second, oh, Chris. thank you. Thank but you. you
0: know what? That actually leads in perfectly. Right. Ego. Right. I just want to mm. get this off my chest you heard me ranting about it yesterday. We right. kind of went back and forth a little bit. CBS Selection Sunday became like a hot button issue. Uh, first, I want to ask you this: Did you watch
1: Selection Sunday at no, all? No. And where did it become a hot buttons issue? Dude, like I'm not. I'm not making you this up. You know where? No, but on Twitter. Yes. Like Where does media? become a hot button issue? Oh. It, the reason
0: it upset me was, okay, so I'm the kind of person who likes to have fun. Right. And I like to have fun on the podcast. I like to have fun in the NFL. Right. It was the same thing with Cam Newton. Like, I, I like to have fun. Right. But what was crazy is I'm watching Selection Sunday, and we're in the kitchen, and we're getting ready for all this stuff, and Charles Barkley's up there, and he's he's doing the, the board, and it's not working out. And right. I'm looking at Josh, and I think I told you, I was like, this is television gold. They had Charles Barkley doing it again? Yeah. So what they did was okay. they had him picking the bracket, and right. he's picking teams, and he's he's hitting the wrong things on the touch screen. It's like, <laughs> error, error. I was like, they should have him do this the whole show. It was right. a
2: colossal failure. He just couldn't get it to work. Right. And
0: that, So here, hold on. Colossal failure, right? But it was a colossal failure that we found hilarious. It was funny,
2: yes. And, and I was
0: like, this is great. And then Nelson looks at Twitter and he goes, oh man, he's getting lampooned right now. I'm like, Why? Right. Like, why? This is funny. Right. It snowballed from Charles Barkley can't use that to why is selection Sunday two hours and this is a travesty and just tell us the brackets. And then I'm seeing columns on Monday going, another example of the NCAA using television to get more money out of kids and all that stuff. Right, right. The, the, the thing that's upsetting me is a few <laughs> things, and uh, stop it. I know you're <laughs> hilarious. I, I have a number of issues with this. One, if it's taking too long, why not go have dinner? go live your life, go spend time with your kids, right. and then come back in two hours, log on to BleacherReport.com, right. and see the bracket. Right. Why do you need the bracket right now? Gotcha. Realize that it's a television show. Is They're this, trying to make yeah. it entertaining. Yeah. And, and I think there is something about college basketball where it's the spirit. You're seeing the kids react. Right. You're hearing Greg Gumbel say, you've made it, uh, like Monmouth, you're in. They didn't make it this year, but you're in. Yeah, you right. know, Seton Hall, blah, blah, blah. Right. There's something fun about it. Sure, and I, I think can understand. All the sporting events, college basketball tournament is the fun one. You said this, Danielle, your wife, who knows nothing about sports, yes. has beaten you in the bracket yes, before. Yes, she has. So if I'm going to hear, well, I need the bracket so I can give out my information. Right. No one cares about your information. <laughs> oh, but they—they're really good three-point defense. Right. How many times do I need to see a fourteen b to three that I don't care about these experts right, anymore? Right, it's stupid. So let's just enjoy it, you know. And, and they're that, not
1: being forced to watch it. If you have an issue forced. with this, go do yes. something else. Yeah. Yes. And, and the true thing is, is all oh, the
0: ratings are going down. Right. To get three point seven on a CBS broadcast
1: on a Sunday, right? Sitcoms aren't getting that. No, that's actually a pretty good rating. And, and what I'll say is, why the hell is uh, like I'm a big fan. Why the hell is Charles Barkley doing that show? Just why? Well, I would argue this to what I just said. I mean, he's watched what four what minutes I of said. college Hold basketball. Me. So this you year? want to
0: hear experts who watch it all year, right. but when they do their bracket, they get them all wrong. Why not make it fun? Why not have Charles Barkley right. up there and sure. do it? I mean, shoot, if they put everyone... Janice in the office does it based on mascots. What if they had a woman up there from CBS's office that was picking solely based on mascots? Sure, sure. Okay. I, I, I think, why not? I, I think of all the sports, had fun with it. I think there's a lot of critics with no credentials. Right. And I'm just on the internet right now, man, there's a lot of people that want to have a hot take. If you really have a problem with the NCAAs and justice against athletes, right. do Real journalism: Do six months to twelve months of really investigating, right. really talking to players. Find some guys that have been slighted. Do something. Write a book. Don't just get on Twitter and go. I feel better about myself right. because I handle that. It's the only thing I wanted to say. Yeah, I
1: get you. I could give two craps about the selection show. So yeah, I wasn't and that's watch fine. It. Right.
0: But then you see the bracket on Monday.
1: It's not Monday. Yeah, Sunday night. I wanted to just see it Sunday night. I told Josh yesterday. It was the first thing I wanted to see. After I got home, I went down to dinner with my wife and kids. Yeah, and I said, "All right, let me just see the bracket. I want to know who's yeah. where." And that was it. And that's all I needed. Yeah, I'm I, not I enjoy up.
0: the spectacle of television. Right, I like watching it play out and see it unfold. Yeah, okay. I mean, wait- you were—you were—he was yelling at me yesterday. Josh. Well, I've just
2: been waiting now for 48 hours for this monologue, and I've been. It's not seeing really a it de- monologue. It was a bit of a monologue. I've just yeah. been seeing it develop in the stage. And stages. your point was
1: that you said no one gives a damn about this show.
2: Well, yeah, that was not my point. I was right. just kind of trying to play devil's advocate for him, which is just that not everyone cares about the media's involvement in the sports. Some right. People just want the bracket and they want to hear who's going where and when is their team playing. Yeah, They—they
0: no, they just want to know who's going where. They're so impatient right. that we have to listen to bracketology. For seven months, predict the bracket. Why don't you just watch college basketball and then Sunday the bracket comes out? Oh, we're going to be a three seed. We're going to be a five seed. It doesn't matter. Right. Who cares? It does
2: matter
1: matter if you're a three seed or a five
0: seed. Because it's perceived respect. Oh, my team's a four instead of a three. Right. You got to win six games anyway. Should
1: Oregon been a one over Michigan State? Probably not, but it's a good debate point, right? No, okay, uh, who
2: cares? All right, who
0: cares? <laughs> Michigan State's gonna have to do that. They have to win one. It's oh wow, it's unpredictable. Right. Okay, well then, who cares about predicting? Uh, that's just my thing. Uh, the one thing that I was gonna do, <laughs> you made a joke about this. Uh, in a month, we're gonna have the author of this book. It, this hasn't come out yet. Uh, his name's Ryan Holiday. He wrote a book called "The Obstacle Is the Way" that the Seahawks, the Patriots, a lot of teams, their coaches use. They've tried to give to the players. I don't know if they read it or not. Right. Uh, but I thought it was interesting going. From College Basketball to the Pros. Uh, In this one that I'm reading right now, he talks about John Wooden. And he says, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, when asked to describe John Wooden in one word, called him dispassionate. And I thought it's really interesting because to call someone like that not having passion, right. most people will be like, well, wait, life is all about passion. Right. And I guess John Wooden's notion was he didn't give speeches, he didn't give inspiration, because right. his whole thing was extra emotions actually are a burden on their players. Because eh. it's kind of what you always said about John Gruden. Right. Your team would go up and down if they yes. were like, this is a really big game. Right. And then the next game, well, you didn't give that speech. Right. Well, I need that emotion right, right. now. John. Wooden was like Nick Saban, like Bill Belichick, like Greg Popovich. It's kind of funny when you think about the best coaches. Yes. They're the most even keel ones. right. And I'm curious why is it because it's really hard for coaches to have that mindset, or is it because there's just not a lot of people that have that
1: mindset? Well, I think there's not a lot of people. I think there's not a lot of people that realize, too, especially in situations like that. Um, yeah, emotions are going to take away from your energy. Uh, I just I think about Bill Belichick. He's not going to get too emotional because he knows, man, I got about six more hours of film watching and I got to coach the team for another five hours. I can't yeah. waste my time giving a rah rah speech for the Wednesday practice. So I think that's what it has to uh, deal with more than anything. Yes. Uh, we've had this conversation. you got to be internally motivated. Uh, you got to be, as a player, as a coach, looking at yourself. How are we going to get better? Yeah. How are we going to execute better today to become a better football team, each individually for the benefit of the, and it of the sounds team in general? And so simple. Yes, but it very few people so can do simple, it. It sounds so
0: simple, but it's so hard to do. And, but I think draft season is when that emotional swing happens all the time because it's like you fall in love with a combine. You fall in love with an interview. Sure. You see one game and you fall in love. And that mantra of just doing your job all the time, no one thing is bigger than the process. And I was curious how Belichick at this time of the year getting into scouting and stuff, the Patriots mindset, because you were in that scouting department. What are they doing right now to avoid falling in love with one play, one clip, one combine? Well, yeah,
1: that is one team. You don't have to worry about them falling in love with any of that stuff. I mean, the the, the combine, they take that just to take the basics, basically meet the players, get a little look test in person. Yeah. Again, you, you've heard me argue, none of these coaches are getting like this great in-depth look at the combine. Five hundred feet away in the suite area, yes, and getting a close look and going, oh yeah, that's the guy. I see him doing the side shuffle with my binoculars from nine hundred yards away. Hmm, he's my first rounder. But no, I know you,
0: your job of the Patriots, right. Twenty thousand dollars a year, right. Video right. boy, right. you were going through and the whole year collecting footage of these players, right? And one, I, right. I asked you earlier, when Belichick gets done the season and right. he goes, "I'm ready for the draft." Yes, what is he handed? To start his process. Well, he's
1: always going to have anything that's available for him at the computer. The computers are all linked together. So okay. if he wants to look up a player and then look at his reports, like, they'll be a... But
0: my thing is, like, how does he know where to start?
1: Yeah, well, I, I I don't... That's a good question. I don't know exactly where he starts either. But, yes, he is going to get a... What my vi- My vivid memories are me sitting in my little boy cubicle, right? And I'm up in the corner of a room that nobody really cares about where I am or whatever else. But in the back of me, behind me, is the uh, one of this big scout meeting rooms. And that's where yes. Bill and Mr. Kraft and Nick Casario are all going to sit in this room during the draft process. They have a huge board. It's a big metal garage that comes down over the board. It has to be key locked. So you're uh, telling
0: me they have a board with right. all the names up there, right. and then every day when they leave, they bring down a metal thing yes. and lock it so that no one can see it.
1: Right, and that exactly right. You're you never going to see it. Do you think other teams do this? Uh, I don't know if everybody's so CIA secretive. Did you ever, like, I trust me I would have loved to have looked in you can't even get in the room with the seeing it like they are literally like bill's gonna walk in and uh can we follow this on the camera but bill's gonna walk in and gonna be basically like he's gonna see us sitting there in in uh, boy row, yeah, and he's basically just gonna guys, good to see you today. And he's just going to walk in. And as soon as he walks in, he closes the door completely. And he's got a binder like this big. Might have two binders. Might just have a huge backpack over his shoulder. He's a backpack. Right, he's a a big backpack guy. And then as soon as he goes in, the door goes, you hear, because that's the garage door going up over it. Because what's incredible is
0: you're doing all the research
1: but you're not seeing how they're using that research on their board. Well, It would be one of my arguments of why we haven't seen a lot of successful people come out of their front office because you're not getting to hear the dialogue of what Bill Belichick is saying in his thought process as far as why we want Jamie Collins in the second round Man. when everybody else has him as a fifth rounder. Tell that
0: story. So the Patriots take Jamie Collins in the second round. Right. And what the heck happened? Well, I'm
1: sitting in my boy cubicle once again. And Did, did everyone know that Bill liked him? Uh. No, no, you have no idea who Bill likes. Oh my gosh. No idea. Bill's not into sharing his. So you're watching the draft from New England. I'm in the watching facility. the draft on TV. In the facility. In the facility. In your yes, office. you're not allowed okay. to leave the facility until the draft's over, basically. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there and I'm doing nothing. I mean, occasionally they might be like, you know. Give me a coffee. Yeah, I mean, really nothing. You're just sitting there just for the, hey, I'm a team player and who are we going to draft? And it comes to Jamie Collins' case, it's the second round. Uh, there was a, a lot of big name guys on the board still, uh, and Jamie Collins um, comes out of nowhere. All of a sudden, New England with the blah 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 like Jamie Collins, and I mean, we have scouts who've been around for a long time who are just like, what, what, Jamie Collins, what? I mean, blah blah blahs on the board. I mean, eh, eh. and they're all complaining, and then somebody storms out of that room. That, uh, you know, Belichick like you and the Krappen. you hear them storming I, out. I, yes, I'm not going to say the name of who yeah, it is. He stums out like, yeah, and he's shaking his head like, uh, and then we're all like, damn, this guy. So like Jamie Collins, for instance, he was not in my area. I had not seen him yet. So as soon as we drafted him, I was like, I turned my chair, I got on the computer, and I was like, let me see Jamie Collins let me see what he looks like, so I watched his take.
0: What was your first take when you saw
1: it? My first take was, wow, he's pretty good. He's better than what these people here are shaking their head about. Interesting. He's big and really athletic. And there was your first example of, hey, let's not with Bill. He obviously knows what he's talking about because wide receivers. Well, because Jamie Collins is the Jamie Collins is might the, be the best middle linebacker. Exactly in the NFL. right. It's crazy. And yes, the receiver thing is a good, good conversation as well. well. But I would always argue people please. love to say that about New England and oh, we don't have they don't have enough receivers. They don't want receivers that are going to be big time stars on the outside. Tom is is not sure. going to throw to those guys.
0: Paul, let, let me ask you this though about the scouting process. So right, right now, yeah, how many hours a day are they in there? watching film, debating, discussing. How many hours a day are NFL yeah, teams doing this I think
1: right now? Bill is just chipping away. I mean, every he's getting in the office at 6, 6.30 in the morning, yeah. and he's just chipping away position by position. With the extended amount of time we have now between the combine and the draft, right. a lot of these guys don't really start watching the film. They're
0: using the combine as their measurable That's starting, the first point. starting point. Because they exactly go, I right. like 6'3", 275 guys. Right. Let's see what he has before I get to the next guys. Exactly case. right. Okay.
1: And free agency was going on right before the combine, too. Yeah, so, so they're focusing they on the They got to look Player at that, management. too. Right, right, exactly right. So now they get into the draft and they go, oh, you know, oh, I saw that guy there. Let me, let me check out his film. But Bill is just going to, he's been supplied with all the reports. Like a guy like Monier, Monte Teo, was out. Like Monte Teo, like you, we could have clicked on his name. He had like 70 reports. Like, did we really need 70 reports to explain right. Monte Teo? I think the first three or four guys got it right. Um, in, in terms of he goes oh, so you there.
0: get in there, yes. are they going to look at positions that they need first, or are they looking at all the positions? Like how? Because it's so much information. There yes. are thousands of people available. Yes. Where do you start with that?
1: I, I think he's gonna. I, I think most teams are going to look at positions of need okay. first. Yes, and they're going to just slowly go down the order. But also, why doing that? Uh, they are going to. Part of the process is trying to figure out what other teams are doing, right? Right. What do they need? Because you have to have a contingency plan. Hey, if I'm picking a 25 and we like the third best defensive tackle in the draft, yes. are there three teams in front of us that like de- or need a D tackle? Right. Because that has to be taken into do account. Do you
0: think that they're looking at. Mock drafts? Do you think they're looking at Matt Miller, Mel Kuyper? Do you think they're looking at popular opinion? And do you in any organization? I think
1: there's some idiots that do a little bit. Really? Yes, I do. I think Mike Mayock is a guy that maybe people look at a little bit because Mayock is a guy that I think is pretty widely known to be connected through the NFL. So not necessarily they're gonna agree with his evaluations, yes. but they're gonna know that may probably think, talk to a few people. That's what I'm saying that's though. Why like, got Kiper
0: now is known as someone that like lists like talks to like teams and right. all that stuff. Do you think they're looking at it not to get their own evaluations, but to see what other people are thinking?
1: Yes, I do think that that is okay. the the only focus really for right. the most part. Yes. Is just to basically get a feel for what the general perception is out there. And see if Mel maybe slips about, it. you know? Hey, I really think Jacksonville at number three likes, and then, you know, and it's if like, you know, right, wait, on the board. I know Mel knows somebody in Jacksonville. Gotcha. Hmm. I've seen him talking at the bar at the combine with that guy. Interesting. He might actually know. Let me listen to this one. So I think things like that do happen. Yes. All
0: right, and then overall, other movements. Like, do you think that like they start doing their big board right now? Like, how does that process work? Y-
1: yes, I do. I think because I think the big board again is part of that contingency plan. Uh, and yes, in in the computer system of all the players, yes. right, it's it's in ranking order already. So the grades and the the this area scout might have his grade, but that gets trumped by the national scout, mm. uh, who's going to basically say, okay, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, in my opinion, is a 7.0, even yes. though if every other scout listed him at 6.7, 6.7, 6.7... Yeah. That head scout's going to get the final I say. I think the
0: most interesting thing is there's no uniform way to scout. No. There's no opinion that is guaranteed right. Every organization sounds like they do it differently.
1: They do do differently. And the biggest thing I think all of us overlook, and where a lot of so-called experts like myself or whatever, is the off-the-field stuff. These guys know, these organizations know more than we know. Tell that story. You said
0: that you've been in rooms where they're going over their scouting reports Mm -hmm. of kids. Right. And they give the background information. And it sounds
1: tragic. It's tragic. Uh, it like, is give tragic. Me, like, what, well, I, I, I can remember like Sharif Floyd. Let's just take him for instance. Sharif Floyd, he's on the Minnesota we'll Vikings now. You're sitting in a room with We're what, what, all a room, scouts. We're sitting in a room huge square table. Right. And it's probably all the area scouts. They've come into town now from their little regions. And you don't know the backstories of these kids. You've just been watching I'm them just, on film. I'm just like, hey, we need a tape of 73. And I'm like, okay, 73. That's a good play. That's a good play. That's and now you're learning That's about what play. '73's life
0: is exactly like. Exactly
1: right. So now I'm like, damn, '73. I mean, they're crazy if they don't take him at number in the top ten. Yes. But then you get into a room and they go, okay, we got to talk about some of these guys because the area scouts, a guy like let's say who's in charge of the southeast, right? He's been to Florida. 10 times in Sharif Floyd's career. Yeah. So he knows people within the coaching staff. He knows people that just hang around the football program yeah. that have nothing to do with the Florida yeah. Gators. We're just using the Gators, for instance, sure. here. And so he knows all the little backdrops of the guys he's had his eyes on, the little back stories. So what
0: stories are you hearing? Well,
1: I mean, it's just one horror story after another. That's the big theme of it. I just – just, whether it was, you know, hey – Guy Guy grew up in the hood. Uh, dad was in jail his whole life. Mom married the dad's arch rival from another gang, and that was his stepdad. Yeah. Or, you know, a guy saw his, you know, mom get shot in the leg at the age of six. And you said it was so many stories that made it you uncomfortable. It was one after another, and I just went, man, I just can't. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm so glad this guy's about to get drafted in the first round. Well, that, it makes me because, honestly
0: getting ready to interview a guy like Olivier Vernon, right. Who's getting generational wealth, right? Change his kid's life, his his kid's kid's life, his parents' life, yes. and you realize that these guys are coming from these crazy places. My question is, when you hear that tragic story, yeah. how do they psychoanalyze that? How do they go, "Well, we didn't like that that right. he went through that, or we do that makes him a better person, right? How do they? How do they it, it's very that?
1: hard now. You get to pull all the information together. Let's pull off pull his history back. All right, what's the stories you know by the backdrop? Let's. The psychological testing is going to be taken into account. Now, uh, what was his work ethic like? What was he like at home? How did that head coach at that school view him? They're going to just constantly just. Hey, they're going to try to make the best decision they can. There, it's not going to be no. anything right. Like That's a Randy Gregory with Dallas, right? Yeah. They, I'm sure they talked to a lot of people and said, okay, you know what. He's got some issues, but we don't see malice in the kid. We think we can support him and get him going in the right direction. Now, he's proven them wrong to a degree, but... Regardless, good insight. You, by do you your best.
0: All right. Hey, thanks. What do you got next for us, brother?
1: I hope I wasn't too long there. No, I think,
0: that, no, I, think I think that stuff that people have never either heard before, right. or they don't realize that all that goes in there, right. Because I think people probably sit at home and they're like, oh, they're reading big boards, they're looking at mock drafts, right. or they're just watching tape. There's a system, and it's also more than ever
1: before. And then off you know the it's field. always getting cool or it's getting clutch time because then all of a sudden Mr. Kraft comes in his blazer and his Air Force Ones and. Like, this is three days before the draft, but now he wants to start being in there, him and Jonathan Kraft, because they (laughs) want to start getting a little feel for what Bill's thinking. How much is Robert Kraft involved in the football conversations? I I would, uh, not a whole lot. I mean, he knows who he's messing with. Is he going to ask questions, though, to Bill? He probably is going to ask questions, yes. He just wants to be in the know. Okay. Uh, Mr. Kraft is, like we all know, he's almost like the assistant commissioner. He, of course, owns the team. He's around the team a lot. He's not but, a micromanager. But he's not a micromanager. Which is the key. And I oh, would say on yeah. the day-to-day business of the New England Patriots, day-to-day, Jonathan Kraft runs the New England Patriots. That would be my two That's cents. That's interesting. Right, right. Not all of people you know that. Yeah, well, Robert trusts Jonathan. Jonathan is the guy that does all the inner workings, the paperwork, all that. So, hey, uh, you know, Jonathan, I'm going to be in New York for the week. Yeah. And Jonathan holds it down in New England. Awesome. Let's get right. to some
0: quarterback talk. We, we didn't get to really dive that deep yeah. into it last year, and, and we had some more questions. right?
2: Well, yeah, this was just a question I brought up yesterday when we were coming up with topics of things we wanted to talk about today. But for the Broncos, if you have the choice between Brock Osweiler and Mark Sanchez, yes. which not that the Broncos did not end up having a choice because Brock left, right. which quarterback would you rather have between those two, Brock yeah, and Sanchez? It, it's, it's very close. Because I think the general public is going to go overwhelmingly in favor of Brock, not even knowing anything about yeah, Mark Sanchez. Yeah,
1: well, it's it's very fun to crap on Mark yeah. Sanchez. I mean, and that's the reason we why. have the butt fumble. That's all we have to talk about. I mean, uh, let's not talk about the two AFC championship games that he was in. Uh, so, who's your pick? But uh, I would probably, as far all right. this is the conversation, we just have to have a little backdrop. Sure. I mean, Osweiler, of course, has been there. We know there. what you said yesterday, by I know. the way. So, He's we'll hold you He's been there. To so he has that advantage of being there with the team and all that, but no, just as a player for player, I think Mark Sanchez is more talented than Brock Osweiler. Are you holding yourself because you can't no, believe I'm him it? I'm having a
0: hard time. I know because I watched Mark Sanchez with right. the Philadelphia Eagles, right? And I, I, I. Why do you feel like what, just, what is it about it's, it, it's that you close. think is still good?
1: I think well, it's close, and you guys know I'm not. First of all, not going to look at Brock Osweiler, Osweiler and go, oh. He's the answer to all the problems in the history so of the world. So your thing is
0: as much that Mark Sanchez is, is better, it's also Brock is not as good as everyone's saying No, is. definitely
1: not, right. And I, do I think Mark Sanchez could have put up those same stats and seven starts for the Denver Broncos last year? Yes. In fact, I think maybe the stats would have been every bit as good, or if not better. Do you think
0: it's because of the Kubiak system and his style of
1: play? Exactly right. I think that is a big part of it. Sanchez is a good athlete. Is he a top-tier thrower of the football in the NFL? No, but he is... Uh, above NFL average as far as throwing the football. Yeah, yeah. I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap. Even with the, I mean, there was times last year and even the year before where we watched Sanchez and we and said, he did "Look good." there hmm, There's some good things. I here. will not argue right.
0: that that Mark Sanchez has the physical tools to get it done. Right. What about that situation, though, coming off of a Super Bowl team, a lot of expectations yes. again for Mark Sanchez. Right. How do you think he fits into that locker room?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I don't think he's – he's not scared. That's the one thing. Coming from USC, being in the limelight here in New York the first you know few yeah. years of his career, I don't think that's going to – anything's going to intimidate this him. This is probably
0: the best weapons from, he's ever had in his career. It is
1: without a doubt the best weapon. It's the best football team he's been on in his career. And those Jets teams were good, don't get me wrong. Uh but yes, I do think it's it's. Uh, listen, this is the offense he ran in college. This is what he did. He was there uh, with uh, Lane Kiffin. Did I believe you hear his right? quote at the press conference the other
2: day? What's that? Sanchez at the press conference. He said, "I'm not married. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have kids. I just want to play ball and I want to win."
1: Yes, and I think that's very true. And I, you know, listen. I, I also know think
0: Denver is a big media market. Yes, it is not New York. It is not Philly. No. They are a lot more patient. Right. They're going to be a lot more forgiving coming that, up the Super is, Bowl. That is something. Oops.
1: I, that is this something guy. Is you interesting play the NFL. <laughs> you got hands like that. I'm just kidding. They're, Denver's a tough town. Denver's, it is? It is a tough town. Because it's a central focus? Um, yes. Someone's calling me. But uh, <laughs> it is Thanks a tough I'm town Shetter. because, yes, Denver is king there. The Nuggets we'll and it. the Rockies could be in the playoffs, and they're going to be like, Preseason number three for the Broncos that's tonight. Great. You played in Denver. I played there. They're a brutal fan base, and it's a brutal media market. They micromanage the Broncos. They really, really? do. They definitely do. So it's do. not
0: as, le- as it's easy. Not as, it's not it as easy. But is it easier than
1: New York Jets or the Philadelphia Eagles? I think there's less distractions in Denver. I think the media focus... Is going to be every bit as scrutinizing as Philadelphia. I think it is. It is. I'm telling you, Philadelphia. They fool you out there in Denver because they got weed in the Colorado Rockies, and you go, "Things are cool out here." No, they're not. They (laughs) ran out, John. I mean, they didn't want John Elway. They ran out of Mike Shanahan. Uh, they got mad at Tula uh, what, why they, they were mad at Carmelo when I was there. What, he's the best player you've ever had on your franchise in the history of your franchise. Why are you yes. trying to run him out? Tulewitzki is the best baseball we player. Have,
0: we do have. We do. This is the first time oh. we're using him. De- Cam lived in Denver, too. Cam, what, what's your take? I'll relay yeah. it to you. Go ahead.
1: I've... So I spent uh, six years in Colorado, two of those in Denver. No quarterback ever got the fans on his side since John Elway, except for Peyton Manning. It took Peyton Manning to get the fans to get over John Elway. So I'm interested to see, no matter who it is coming in, how they react to this guy. Because it it took literally an NFL legend for the fans to move on from John Elway. Oh, come back. I was going to say, there's our resident... Boy, Hunter Mandel
0: there hanging out the out. <laughs> yeah, so what he was saying was they they couldn't ever get past John Elway, no quarterback ever, and it took Peyton Manning for the fan base to be like, Okay, we like another quarterback. Right.
1: Yeah, yes. It's a it's a very scrutiny, scrutinized football team. Interesting. It really is.
0: Uh, so, there's another quarterback situation that's interesting that I think is still being rumored to go to Denver, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. My question is, we were thinking about it today because it's a very staunch argument, it sounds like, between Fitzpatrick and the Jets. Surprise, surprise, Jimmy Sexton is his agent. Right. And Sexton puts a hard bargain. Yes. I like agents that do hard bargains. Yeah, no doubt about I, it. I have no problem with it. Right. But who that's has more leverage right now? The Jets or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because the Jets are going, I don't want to pay you this money because you're not that good, right. and we didn't get in the playoffs last year. Right. And is going, what are your other options? Who has more leverage right now?
1: Yeah, it's it's a uh, good discussion, um, and, and both do have leverage, because if you're the Jets, just look at it from their standpoint, they go, man, he did build some good chemistry in the locker room. He did do some good things. But I'm sure they also went back and evaluated the season and said, hmm, Man, did he miss a lot of routine slam-dunk NFL throws. Just watch the Bills game that's to end the, the season. Number one that's thing thing that, all you got to watch. That's the number one thing that jumped out to me. Three picks in the last like, quarter. Right. Uh, that would be the the big thing. I really think at the end of the day, the Jets still are owning the leverage war here. Interesting. Why? Uh, because I think, first of all, they're an extremely talented football team. I don't think they need anything magical at the but quarterback Sexton position. right now is
0: saying, you feel comfortable going the year with Geno Smith as your starting quarterback? You know.
1: I know I'm in the minority here. I think the Jets would have missed the game by one, missed the playoffs by one game if Geno Smith was the quarterback too. Mm. I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference. In fact, I never understood the criticism of Geno Smith when he came in on the Oakland Raiders game and they lost. He got a lot of criticism. I would say he made. He made a lot of really big plays didn't in that game as well. Did he throw that ball well. at the end of the game and almost so, won it,
0: and well, then it got called off? Because he did, of
1: well, no, and then they got mad at they got mad at him because he didn't throw the ball away in a sack. So that was really big. Like he got pushed out of bounds and yes. lost three yards. Well,
0: well, the big thing too is the perception of how he is as a teammate. You get punched in the face, people think you're a bad teammate. Right. It brings up another thing that we were talking about before. Right. Matt Forte and Brandon Marshall. Yes. Boy, are they excited to play with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Right. And I, I ask you this is it because they're excited to play with a quarterback they like because they're coming from Jay Cutler, who is perceived to be a quarterback that you don't like, that's not a friend. Right, right. Do they just want to play with a guy that they're like, oh, he's cool? Yeah, well, I think Matt Forte
1: just is going totally off of what Brandon, Brandon Marshall. Marshall says. But what do you think
0: about Brandon Marshall?
1: Well, I, I understand it. I mean, Brandon Marshall, for the first time in his career, other than me when I was his greatest backup in the history <laughs> ever, he's having constant dialogue with the quarterback, and that goes a long way. I mean, you heard all the things that I know he said to me. He's even talked about it in the paper. Yeah. I mean, whether it was Fitzpatrick emailing, you know, little clips of plays to say like, oh, look at this coverage or look at that. And Marshall that, probably never
0: had that before. Right. So
1: that. Goes a long way. And then to be able just to have the trust that that guy, hey, like, hey, everything's equal, it's man to man, he's gonna drop back, he's mm-hmm. gonna look my way in a big situation. Yes, that does go a long he's, way. You're worried that we could be blinded by the friendship. Well, I think that, yes, I think the camaraderie. The brains are maybe blinding his evaluation of the play on the field. Yes. And that would be my big issue. Maybe
0: people were saying I saw a report that RG3 coming in was just leverage. You think it's for real. I do think it's for real. RG3 in New York, my question to that is RG3 in Washington? I know. Can he handle New York? RG three versus New York media, all that stuff. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's risky. There's I, there's no doubt about that. I I would like to say I think he can handle it uh, after his stumbles, but um, it's a very it's a coin flip prediction as far as like the New York Jets. Man, and, and um, I know I know some people with the Jets. I had heard from some people in the NFL that their interest with RG three was legit. I mean, this wasn't even for anybody from the Jets. This was from somebody, just people in the NFL. They thought that it was legit. Now, I'm sure there's discussions on, Dan, do we really want to bring him in? Hey, we see the talent, but do we want to take the chance of him ruining the locker room a little bit, being that polarizing figure? Yeah. Uh, Because... None. Of, at, the, at the end of the day, we hear stories where, hey, like Brian Arakpo and people stick up for RG3, yes. Chris Baker. Yeah. Uh, but it's then the Chris yet,
0: Cooleys who are fully transitioned into media that are yeah, going to take their Chris shots. Yeah,
1: Chris Cooley certainly is taking his shots. Oh, look,
0: if there's but any, I think they're
1: real, too, Chris Cooley's shots, too. I, I did, think they're real, yeah, too. I think those are some real points he brought up. Whether he has is to say ego.
0: It. Right. I mean, that, you got to think, though, that RG3, as a human being, is going to take those lumps Take this criticism and yes. then go, I have to change. Yes. The argument that I always heard from you, being right. close to the Shanahan family, was right. he wasn't willing to change. Right. Which is a really scary thing of anybody. Yes. Coaches, players, your boss, your co workers. If you know people that don't change, it's why people don't like talking about politics yes. or religion. Right. Because people don't change those opinions. Yes. If RG3 is unable to change who he is, he won't succeed. But if he can, right. Oh, man.
1: Well, hopefully Jay Gruden's helped him out. Jay Gruden, Kirk Cousins. And I also think the other big thing with RG3 is I think he was incredibly, especially early in his career, insecure. So Mm. he took coaching as, you're saying there's something wrong with me? What do you mean? I'm RG3. I win the Heisman. I'm... I have a laser arm, and I'm really – there's something yeah. wrong. And I think well, that you sometimes think about, young athletes – what do you athletes,
0: think about Shan Galley? What do you think about Todd Bowles? What do you think about having a, a Brandon Marshall, who's already said he'd rather have Fitzy back? Right. Is that a place – plus you have a quarterback room of him and Geno Smith. Yes. Is that – is that a good place for a guy to come back to rebuild it?
1: I do think it's a supportive okay. system. I do. I think Gailey and Todd Bowles are good people coaches. Like they, they understand how to manage people from that standpoint. Interesting. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Uh, and you know, listen, I like. I've, you've heard me say a million times. I also, th- I believe in the kid's talent. I really do. It's just all about between the ears. Can he put it all together?
0: Um, I have one thing that I'd like to do, and i I'd, I'd like this camera, please. Uh, After the Super Bowl, I have been a staunch defender of Cam Newton the entire year. After the Super Bowl, I even defended it then with his actions. I thought the Chris Harris Jr. comments there, I could understand why he got upset. I watched the last UFC event, which was incredible. I mean, Holly Holmes was fantastic. That fight was great. Conor McGregor, that loss to Nate Diaz was amazing. I know there's a lot of people that don't like UFC. That was the first time I went, wow, this was great. Right. Conor McGregor got tapped out. And he is the most cocky person ever, ever, I think, right now in sports, the way he handles himself. And the way Conor McGregor handled that interview afterwards, Nate Diaz, with blood dripping down his face, was saying, I beat him, he's a loser, that's what you get for talking all that trash. Conor McGregor stood there and listened to him. And then Joe Rogan went over and asked him a question, and he said... Nate Diaz was the better man, he had the better strategy, I messed up, I'm going to go back, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get that title back. Right. And I went, man, if Conor McGregor, who is rooted in kayfabe, which is like showing off and like doing all these things, like portraying a heel, right. can in that moment realize that you need to be the bigger man and own up to the loss, Cam Newton should have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I needed to see it before I could make that claim. And I didn't think it was possible because I thought, you know what, we're expecting a lot out of a kid. And I guess the one thing I go to is, you know, we're talking about Cam Newton. He is a hard worker right. and I really hope that he takes this as motivation because I think that Cam Newton could be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I think he has physically been given something that no one else has seen. Right. I think Cam Newton could be to the NFL what LeBron James is to the NBA, right. a physically imposing force that we don't know how to handle. Right. Expectations are going to be unfair for right. him because you're given those gifts. Right. but. I love the spirit that that team had, and I hope the rejection from the population doesn't push him to go, you don't get it, I'ma do me and do the whole they mentality. Right. I hope he he, he wants to prove people more wrong because when I heard Connor McGregor say that, I yeah, went, I saw Connor's gonna be a stronger
1: fighter. Right.
0: He's gonna use that to motivate him, and I hope that Cam does the same.
1: Right. All right. But so I, I, I changed my opinion. Okay, that's fine. And uh, and that's that's fine to change your opinion. That's what smart people the, do. The the one thing I'll argue there, the only thing, if I could play devil's advocate, is first of all. And listen, I wish Cam Newton acted like Conor McGregor as well. I, I I don't I don't but I'll say this. Conor McGregor has I know he's undefeated in UFC. He's lost a bunch of fights through his career. He,
0: I think he had three losses. Uh, yeah, and, and I
1: think even he said more than that in some of his amateur things. So sure. he's used to losing. Also, Care, I I would know losing? this is UFC 153 or whatever well, 94. It ain't the Super Bowl. It where you've gone you've gone basically the whole year as the man and really the one game you lost was like a meaningless game, so you haven't really felt like lost the whole year. That's the only thing I'll say. Just to, That's no, all I there is ne- to it. No,
0: that was my argument. But, that's why I understood Cam Newton's gotcha. emotion. Right. I, I think this guy was 17-1. and one. Yeah, you're right. The loss, it wasn't even his fault. But right. I mean, he practically almost won the game himself right. that game. And it is the biggest stage. And, and I can imagine, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you thought... This was your season. You were the Cinderella team. And that dream, and you just lost to a quarterback who couldn't even hold a candle to you in terms of right now. Peyton Manning turns to Cam Newton right now. It's not even close. But I just, you know, I'm not going to criticize Cam Newton. I would just say I I was so impressed with Conor McGregor. And it made me think super high energy, borderline cocky. I mean, Conor McGregor is cocky. I was blown away. I kind of wish he would do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where's Olivier Vernon? We just got Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) <laughs> we thought we had a six-year offer with an incredible amount of guaranteed money with no state income tax, and he just left us for somewhere else. He ain't else. coming. And so because
2: you're left with me wearing a blue fedora. Oh baby, I oh, love God. it. Olivier's
1: first big time move. He said, "It's chum change." Bleacher Report. I got a hundred million in the bank. That was a lot of to that take off lot, there. No, that was a whole
2: lot. <laughs> and he doesn't even have $100 million in the bank. So. No. But not yet, at least. Man, this is his first we uh, have We've, we've had to wait way. around
0: for Cromartie. Right. We've had to wait around for Pac-Man,
1: but stood up. So he's definitely not coming on.
2: That's the way it seems right now, but I'm hopeful that because he stood us up today, he's going to get us back and come into the studio in a couple weeks when he gets up here.
1: Uh, so that's, the old you know. yeah, hopeful yeah, cause, one. Yeah, yeah,
0: because we're really going to throw some guilt Poor on him. Poor Gabe. Really... Gabe, how do you feel Absolutely. about that as a
1: Giants fan? Gabe? Gabe says this. Gabe just says, hit the quarterback when the season starts. He doesn't care. Yeah, but I think Gabe's a little
0: hurt. Just admit you're a little hurt. He had a little set up. He was getting ready. A yeah. uh, little game stir. You know what, Gabe? Typical giant. Yeah, you're cool. You're better than everybody. Yeah, you have these great principles. Uh, well, then, you know what? Let's let's wrap this up. We'll keep it tight. Okay. One thing that you said you wanted to talk about, I love giving Sims mm-hmm. topics at the end of the show where he really feels like he has a part here. Uh, your Your big thing was... Uh, education and what we were hearing about with some famous models and actresses. Well, so, what
1: did you say? What was your big thing? Well, we just, we always talk about, like, I always like, we talk, think of, I, I always come in with Spin one random, up. yes, uh, crap issue that I said, let's get away from sports. And, yes, what was it in the paper this weekend? I don't want to mess with my three girls here.
2: Yeah, so it was... Give the headline of the article. Sure, so the headline of the article was, and this is from the New York Post, Blondes Leading the Blind, the Clueless Rise of Lifestyle Gurus. Right. And it was about Kate Hudson, Cameron Diaz, and Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. And how basically as their acting careers come to a close... That they are now trying to rebrand themselves as lifestyle coaches, giving advice to people that they are Fashion, completely clothing, uh, honestly. Jewelry. A lot of it was like health advice. Yeah, no, more of so, it's health. Yes, yeah, like So like the ing- article says, yes. Cameron Diaz, a high school dropout, but in her book she says that uh, deodorant can cause cancer in women, and these are all things that are completely unfactual, <laughs> have been proven wrong by doctors, but they're appearing in these books. Well, uh, deodorant
1: that has chemicals in it, I guess, could cause. Well, they didn't go into that detail. Yeah, he's right, the wrong in, guy. In
2: the <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you did connect this article to football, which well, is what I want Well, it just drives me here.
1: crazy that I, I always fear the conversation of, oh, these, these young kids, they're not student athletes. They're just there to play football, and they're taking basket weaving. And, man, then they get all this money, and they're uneducated. And they don't know what they're doing with it. There's always just this bullseye on athletes, and we talk about it a lot, just in general, why the conversation. But yet here we are with three successful women one has a high school graduation, the other one dropped out of high school. Which one dropped out of high school? Cameron Diaz dropped Cameron out of high school. Cameron Diaz dropped out of high school. Kate Hudson's a. I'm
2: not. They didn't have all their educational histories in there. They just highlighted Cameron Diaz because she uh, oh, dropped no, out Oh, no, but school.
1: they did in the regular article. They had a tail of the tape. And like Cameron Diaz was a high school dropout, Kate Hudson only graduated high school, and Gwyneth Paltrow went to college for like a I'm year. I'm checking to see if they had that graphic online. Two. That might have only been in the but paper. But regardless, it, it drives me crazy that uh, nobody seems to ever criticize Hollywood or actors or musicians when they have lack of education and they do dumb things. But or yet, pers- no, not
0: doing dumb things. Or, or do dumb things
1: with their money, or act inappropriately at a club. But your big thing is. is
0: athletes. They say. You should want to get an education. Right. Don't just do this. What yes. are you gonna do afterwards? Right. But actors and actresses who we parade out there in nice clothes and they, they, they it's all based on right. their image. We don't care if they've been educated enough. Oh just act. Oh exactly just act. Right. Yeah. Right. I, and, or I'm,
1: or they get to talk about life stands on the world, like whether it be Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio and the environment right. or things like just whatever it may be. Where they get to make these profound speeches and we all listen and go, but an athlete, mm, we say, is hey, stick deep. to sports. Mm. Stick to sports. Stick to sports. I, I don't I care mean, about what he says. So I just, that's just food for thought. One of those things that drives me crazy. I do
2: like when you come in with your New York Post and just have some random take on an article that they're yes, in there. Like, and when you connect it to football, even right. better, because then we can bring it up on the podcast. But right. right? I
0: think you're right. I think we are very harsh on these kids. I think we expect these athletes afterwards to definitely go back to school and get their diploma. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of really famous people. I, I think Zuckerberg, dropped out of college i think bill gates dropped out of college yes they did uh, i mean malcolm gladwell i mean with outliers and stuff i mean the amount of times Who, that he talks that? about
1: who's malcolm gladwell Malcolm
0: Gladwell is a writer, uh, a writer. Author. Extru- yeah author like a, a big thought leader right um, but he talks about you know the like college education look if you can go to college i think it's great for your family right i think right now a college education has become a high school diploma yeah there everyone kind of has it but I, I don't think we should be criticizing people if they pursued their passion and they're really successful yes, at it. Yes, I agree. I mean, I, no one's upset Carmelo didn't go back. When Carmelo donated $3 million back to the University of Syracuse, people are like, I can't believe he left after his freshman year. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I thought this was a good show. I'm a little upset at Olivier Vernon, but he's a New York Giant, so I'm glad I could be upset. Well,
1: maybe him. you heard you were an Eagles fan.
0: I did tweet at him before the show. (laughs) That's
1: (laughs) probably what it was. He saw your Twitter
2: account and he said, I'm not doing that show.
1: Uh, I love when we get big-timed.
2: Awesome. No, I had a lot of fun.
1: Good. Did you have a lot of fun? I did have a lot of fun. All right, say goodbye. Goodbye.
0: Uh, Josh, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Andrew, get up here so we don't miss it. Gabe, stinky fingers, Gabe. Perfect. Yeah, deuces. That's what I'm thinking My, my love for Vernon. Take my ISO real quick. Yes, Andrew, stinky fingers. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> control room, Cam. It's been great hearing your voice today. Michelle and Pellegrino, great job on the sticks. Jake and Ryan, I love hey, you. Hey, let's show Paul Kaplan. Paul, why stand up. Paul, stand up. We're Paul, not mad at you, Paul. Why We're could not he mad not muscle
1: Olivier Vernon in here? Let's. Why and could our- Stymed
0: say what up? I love you too. Uh, don't don't crap on Paul. I love Paul. <laughs> Kristen, let's see Kristen. Is there someone in there? Oh, the 76ers with uh, George. <laughs> George. Oh, my Good gosh, job, George. George. That was awesome. George Sixers photo bomb. Uh, this was episode 55. As always, hit us up on Twitter at Simsalufko, iTunes. What's the other thing that you use?
2: Stitcher. I think that's uh, the podcasting platform for Android.
0: Yes, and and to Mm, all the people out there, especially Mm. Mark Bajan, the reason we're not getting your questions is Josh Fendrick doesn't want to get to it. (laughs) He's writing about you. He thinks you're producing the show. Uh, Episode 56 is next week. We're going to do some college basketball, a little bit more as the brackets are going. We're going to have Jim Calhoun, I think, in two weeks. Oh, that'd be cool. I'm a little bit nervous. It's going to get crazy. (laughs) But I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, love you. Be safe. Have
2: fun. Peace out.